0: Welcome to the Garden Talk Podcast, where we interview growers from all over the world, both beginners and experts, seeking to learn more about what they know about gardening and how they do things in their garden. What's up everybody, for you that don't know me, my name is Chris, aka Mr. Grow It, and you're tuned into the Garden Talk Podcast, this episode number 112. In this episode I interview Untrained Astronaut. He has been gardening for two years and grows the -the Build-A-Soil way, which is what we're going to talk about today. We get into what he uses for feedings waterings, environment conditions, and so much more. If you want to see highlights of these Garden Talk podcast episodes, search Garden Talk Clips on YouTube. That channel is dedicated to short clips of these podcast episodes. I also have a channel where I have over 130 videos showing off my garden, which I've actually received some comments recently of people who weren't aware of that channel, so I figured I'd mention it here today. I'll have a link in the description section below. One of my goals for this podcast is to bring free information about gardening to the general public. That being said, I'd like to thank the sponsors of today's episode, who helped make that goal possible. Thanks to AC Infinity for sponsoring this episode. Their Grow Tent kits are incredible. You get their Ion Board LED Grow Light, their Grow Tent, which is currently the thickest on the market, their Ventilation System, Clip-On Fan, and their Controller 69 to control it all. You also get their Fabric Pots, Trellis Net, Plant Ties, and Tremors. Definitely a good price for all that you get in the kit. I'll have a link in the description section below so you can learn more about these GrowTank kits. And the discount code MRGROWAT15 works on both Amazon and their website, acinfinity.com. Stash Blend. I've been using Stash Blend for over a year now, and it's awesome. One of the things that I really like is that it saves me money. It's a whole bunch of different inputs in one. So I no longer have to go out there and buy a silica bottle, then a separate seaweed bottle, beneficial bacteria, then a separate one for mycorrhizal fungi. All of that, plus more, is in this one blend. Go to stashblend.com to learn more about it, and i also have a link down in the YouTube description section below. Thanks to Mars Hydro for sponsoring this episode. Check out their grow tents, which have a high-reflective inner mylar, a smooth, heavy-duty zipper, and double-flap protection to prevent light leaks, metal poles for enhanced stability, and a 1680D canvas density. There's also a viewing window with double layers of cloth, so it's easy to observe your plants without opening the grow tent. Check out their website at Mars-Hydro.com, and you can use the discount code Mister It for a discount on any of their products, and their products are also on Amazon. I'll provide a link down in the description section below. And we are back. Welcome to the Garden Talk Podcast. Today, I am joined with Untrained Astronaut. How
1: are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself?
0: Doing good, man. Thanks for asking. So we met uh, quite recently, actually. We met in person at MG Bizcon 2023, and... Uh, Wow, that was a good time. huh? I liked how they broke it up between like the um cultivation side and then they had like a retail and consumption side. So it was a little bit different than previous years. Was that your first year going?
1: That was my first time ever going, yes. That was uh it was really exciting and I didn't understand at first that it was broken into two divisions. And uh after a while of going through it, I'm like, man, I really thought it'd be bigger than bam, seeing the whole other side was huge. Huge.
0: Yeah, massive. One thousand four hundred different boots and um that you could definitely spend a three day event, you could spend all three days just going around from booth to booth <laughs> and see what's going on and, and what they got going on. So it was really cool. And it was really nice to meet you there, man. And We're like a rare breed in a sense, growers. I remember going into LA and uh went to the high rise mansion, I'm showed to the high rise crew, and there was like fifty or hundred people that were like within the house throughout the night and like everybody I talked to, nobody was a grower. Like they I was like, Yeah, I'm a grower. Oh, you're a grower? Wow, that's awesome, man! Big props to you. Like, I don't know how you do it. (laughs) Like, but like meeting you and like just it's good to link up and talk shop. You know.
1: Indeed, it is. It is. That was amazing out there, and it's so cool seeing all the different people. And I I met a couple different growers, but now that I'm thinking about it, I think you're kind of right. Like, everybody was more so there on the different aspect, like the sales part. You know
0: yeah it's super wild but uh but let's actually start off with uh telling us a little bit about yourself and kind of how you got into gardening
1: oh uh i'm untrained astronaut nice to meet you guys i go by astro um i grew up around the weed world uh my father has grown um plants since i was a little boy and i remember walking around on a uh dirt floor and uh That was just, you know, some of the earliest memories I have are him growing plants down in the uh, cellar underneath the house, and it kind of, it's weird how it all went. I didn't really care much for uh, plants at the time, being of that age, obviously, but as I got older, I just, you know, still didn't really. It wasn't until I was in my, like, mid-20s that I really started getting into really heavy and uh, from there, I've, you know, I've always seen my uh, father cultivate, but I never truly learned. I just, you know, I was more so into the sales side of things, too, in my mind. Like, I was, you know, at that time as a younger kid, I was trying to move things and whatnot. And uh, it wasn't until later in life when I had kids myself that I discovered that I didn't want to go the illegal route anymore, that I just wanted to pursue this this passion that I have toward plants uh and go ahead and jump into it so i dumped my life savings into my first grow room which was a uh, 12 by 12 and that ended up producing about eight pounds on my very first harvest and uh i i do understand you guys aren't like uh going for yields or anything and it's not really that i'm going for yields it's more so that i'm just trying to I'm really trying to push these plants to the limits to see where they go. And so that's kind of, you know how the origin became growing up around it and seeing what I could do with the world when I enter it. So,
0: Man, that's awesome. Underneath the house you were saying? So like that had to have been a crazy ghetto set up, huh?
1: <laughs> it was. It was. That was such a a, a a crap neighborhood. It was crazy though. I do remember playing with a staple gun on the floor, but I was so young because we moved into the house that we grew up in when it, when I was the age of five. And so that had to have been, you know, pre so prior to the age of five. So I don't know when you actually are supposed to like recollect memory, but I guess that was prior to the age of five. You know what I mean? So, but then he grew AK 47 in the, uh, the closets downstairs. I remember him growing hydro in the garage and, you know, he had those sleek little setups to where you couldn't tell he had closets that were blocked off. So you go in the bathroom downstairs and you're taking a dunk and uh, you look over and there was a closet there, but it's kind of like drywalled over now. And that's because, you know, AK 47 was real popular at the time and he had to have a way to do it. And so that was, that was, you know, it's something that I've always been very, very familiar with. But it wasn't until recent that I really got into learning about it.
0: That's wild. Yeah, back then you had to be it was very secretive, right? You had to hide things. You had to have these areas that were closed off so it couldn't really be identified that that was what was happening. So whole different world now. You can be a lot more open with it, which is which is fantastic. So, so what's your grow style? Like, what uh, you know? What are you doing? Are you in soil, cocoa hydro? Are you indoor, outdoor? Like, what's your overall style?
1: I do indoor organic and it's the build a soil way. I am such a big fan. Jeremy Silva was the first YouTuber that I began watching. And that is like the smartest man on the planet. Like between you guys, I don't know what the heck um, you guys are both brilliant with this stuff, but I've learned so much from him in particular due to the fact, like I was able, like I said earlier to produce eight pounds of my first girl ever. And that was, I really solely credit like Jeremy Silva, like, all of his videos, I religiously watched them before going to bed. I played it on the TV and that's just, you know how I did it every night. And so it was like the moment when it went legal, I just seen this all happening. I knew this was what I was meant to do. Dumped my money and it fell in love with it even more so than I thought. And then I did YouTube. And so I got all these cameras now and I'm doing this. I'm having so much fun with it. Like I just, I'm just trying to document my grow and stuff. And, uh, you know hopefully if uh if i learn from something that maybe i could share it with my audience and we could all learn together because i think a lot of my people know that i've only been grown for two years and so i'm still experimenting and learning myself
0: what's all around you almost everywhere you look and makes your life better birds Learn all about these beautiful creatures in this wonderful new podcast called Birds of a Feather Talk Together. Two experts guide two newbies on their journey to learn more. Mallard ducks, ivory-billed woodpeckers, Hawaiian honeycreepers, blue jays, cardinals, sandhill cranes, and more. Each week we discuss a different bird and walk away with a better understanding of the birds all around us. Oh, and we have a ton of fun doing it. Listen now. You're going to like learning about these birds. I guarantee it. That's awesome. Yeah. And I will have a link to your YouTube channel down in the YouTube description section below. So if anybody wants to uh, follow him, click on his channel, you can easily get to it, and then hit the subscribe button. And yeah, I've tuned into a few of your videos, man. You definitely got some good stuff. So definitely looking forward what? to see what you, you watch from in man? the future. Oh, yeah. The, the, the MJ BizCon you
1: did. You did one on MJ BizCon. You did one on yeah. uh, one the Cowboy Cup. Dude, I'm so excited because, uh, <laughs> yeah, I've just been practicing. You know how it is with editing, you've done it, it's just an addiction.
0: Very time-consuming.
1: <laughs> That's like another passion in its own. I fell, I fell into another rabbit hole when I fell into growing in YouTube, you know, because then camera equipment and then quality and then editing. It's addicting, man. All of this is. So fun.
0: So let's get into the Build a Soil way. I want to know more about this particular way of going about it. What's your soil mix and then what fertilizer are you using?
1: Mine are all reused. They were 3.0 and then I top dress. I use... um Say I use Build a Flower, that's the top dress I use. And so obviously Build a Soil three point I do worm castings from Build a Soil as well. I use uh about a cup of Wakefield Biochard or Biochar and um earth juice, high brinks molasses or high bricks molasses. I use for uh like um what is the microbes and stuff, I'm using like uh root wise. Um that's a um what is the word I'm looking for? Biological bloom support, full spectrum soil um, inoculant. That's the word I was looking for inoculant. Um, and so that's what I'm using for my microbes. And uh, what else? Hope I don't miss any. I know Recharge is in there for sure. Recharge is amazing. I also use Roots Organics, Grow, Bloom, and Bloom Booster. Um, Root wise, obviously, terrible packaging, but <laughs> um, what else? I, I wrote a list and I put them up here just so I wouldn't forget. <laughs> but Oh, Build-A-Bloom. Of course, Build-A-Bloom. Amazing one right there. And Craft Blend.
0: So the 3.0 Build-A-Soil mix. I'm familiar with that. From my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, that won't last you throughout the grow. It's not like a true super soil to where you just plant in it and then you're good to go for the entire growth cycle. But eventually, nutrients deplete from that medium and then you need to add in more inputs, which... You mentioned the inputs that you're using there. So are you, first of all, what size container are you in? And then when does your first top dressing happen?
1: Um, I do top dressing generally every two weeks or so um i tried last grow trying to go a little bit further out to see what the results would be if i let them go a little bit more hungry for my own eyes to witness i'm a hands-on learner for sure and it's not the results that you want that i've learned (laughs) in a larger bed of soil they do go through it quite well so um i was i am currently top dressing every two weeks uh what i do is i do a compost tea one week and then i do a top dress the next week on routine on a wednesday and so that way it just keeps them fed and it keeps it so simple. I use a compost tumbler. So it's kind of like, you know, taking a tote and throwing it in a washing machine. It just spins it around. And you don't necessarily have to do that. I just do it for the added effect of its, you know, it mixed in pretty good. And then I just walk around with a cup, like a red solar cup, and just kind of equally distribute it amongst the beds. I have two 90-gallon beds in my main 12 by 12 room. I've got uh, four 15-gallon bags in there as well, and that's all the Build a Soil way. And then in my basement grow, I have two 90-gallon beds. I have two 15-gallon bags in there for the 10 by 10 And then in my 5x5, I've got one 15-gallon bag under um, just a light and a charcoal filter. And actually, no, I'm sorry. I was actually bringing that up because I wanted to see what I could do or test myself, but, um, I've got a two by four grow tent. It's a gorilla grow tent and I've got a 15 gallon in there with a bathroom exhaust system and just a light and bottles of water just so I can learn from the bare minimum. Like I want to be able to grow plants with nothing and then learn from that scratch all the way to the top because I, I started out investing everything I had and I just kind of, I don't know. I, I felt like I was missing the, the proper foundation for learning and so my basement was my chance to really grow the knowledge by just bare minimum growing and really hone the skill, which I'm nowhere ever near, <laughs> you know what I mean? But I'm definitely uh, having fun with it. So that being said, I do have a 4 by 4 with a 15-gallon in there as well, and... Um, That 2 by 4 and uh, HLG sending me the Scorpion Diablo X. So I'm going to start another one up. So there's going to be another 4 by 4 with the 15-gallon in there just for that one uh, light. So that's what I've got going on right now. But uh, quite a few it feels like, huh? (laughs) But I don't grow a lot per bed. I grow one to two plants, even if it is a 90-gallon bed. I just want to make that one plant the happiest it could ever be and as big as it can get. And then I'll, I'll lollipop them. I've been watching the Northern Scroger lately and that was due to high again, mentioning them all the time. And, uh, it was just interesting to know that he goes in there every day tucking like that. And I was just like, wow, you know what? No more weaving. Let's just go with the tucking. And I've had fantastic results. I've had so much fun with it here soon. I'll be putting out some footage of, uh, the grow room and the, uh, work that I've been putting it in there. Man, that's awesome. You yeah, have a
0: bunch of different grow spaces you got there and different beds and containers. And so all of them are using the Build a Soil 3.0. And then you're going in and doing uh, the feedings. When do the feedings start? Do you go like what, 30 days or something before you actually start doing the feedings? Or are you just like plant two weeks later, adding in fertilizer, and then so on and so forth, like you mentioned?
1: It is actually uh, just plant and then two weeks later. That is when I start doing it after transplanting into the bed. Um, even after harvesting, I still continue to top dress, you know, and so that way they just go into it. Um, so everything really never breaks routine, never breaks cycle, whether there's plants growing or not. Like currently, uh, the 10 by 10 in my basement is honed out for you. The chill out OG that you supplied me with at the MJ BizCon. I have specifically dedicated the 10 by 10 just to growing out the chill out OG. So this is my first time sexing plants, by the way. And uh, I'm really excited to have the learning opportunity, especially the learning opportunity being with your strain, your genetic. That is exciting as hell,
0: man. That's really cool to hear. That, that's awesome.
1: For those that don't know, I have
0: a, a cross I've been working on for several years now. It's a grow G cross with Pakistan Valley, and uh, named it Chill Out OG. And uh, every time I hear somebody growing that out, it's just that warmness feeling that I get. <laughs> and then you seeing it on Instagram and, and so on and so forth. That is. That's awesome, but now it's really cool that you're dedicating a whole area to that and I can't wait to see how it turns out for you. Now, for the feedings you mentioned every couple of weeks, do you come across any toxicity issues at all? It seems like pretty frequent feedings.
1: At first, if I felt like it, it's just, you know, taking their taking their suggested amounts and really just sticking with that and not doing anything over and um I feel like jumping into it, I was never accurately taught to feed correctly i was more so like he was doing his whole life and everything but he was doing hydro he jumped into organic at the same time that i started growing and um so it was kind of learning experience for both of us and the way i had learned through him i felt like was just uh it was a little bit too pungent like they were getting some toxicity issues like maybe it was uh too much honestly i I can't remember the word But um afterwards I did just dilute my stuff down a little bit and really started reading the labels and understanding you know overfeeding is bad. No it is. I mean it, I think that's a common misconception. People think that hey
0: it's organic it's going to get broken down over time slower. The plant's going to uptake what it wants when it wants it type thing. But you can absolutely have too much that have broken down that cause toxicity issues. Um particularly nitrogen toxicity. I think that's probably one of the most common ones that you see in organic gardens from over-fertilizing. So I was just curious because it did seem like a little bit more frequent than what I've heard other people doing. I personally do it uh, every 30 days. I'll do a top dressing. I use the craft blend from Build-A-Soil, and I do one cup per plant. I've used other blends in the past, but we were talking about the Build-A-Soil way here. But what I have used with Build-A-Soil is the craft blend, and it's super easy. You can use that all the way out through uh, from veg, all the way through flowering. And um, I've also used the Build-A-Bloom which you mentioned that you use had some good results with that as well.
1: Definitely. And I think the regiment that I'm feeding on is, um, it's more based upon that I have so much or so many beds of soil, you know, that I have to feed so frequently. Maybe it's just, uh, they, they love it right now. I feel like I've had the best coloration in the leaves that I've had ever before. Um, Everything is turning out really, really well. They're super, super happy. And I, It's just they're in veg right now. So I'm trying this regimen. And I feel like, you know, prior to this, I was doing uh, probably about, you know, roughly every 30 days or a little bit more, just kind of stretching it out, like I said earlier, to uh, learn just what'll happen if you don't feed as much. And uh, I kind of just shot a little into it with the two weeks. Maybe it is a little bit much, um, but I'm going to run consistency this grow. And uh, if I don't think that it is going to turn out, you know, something like, desirable i won't do it again i'll start going back to the monthly area maybe and just keep it tight on that you mentioned you're growing larger plants
0: anyway so larger the plant the more nutrition it's going to need so yeah it makes sense now the additives you mentioned uh, root wise and the microbial inoculants how often are you using those
1: the root wise um using those about every or every other depending i use about every other um what is it? Uh, compost tea mix
0: And then what about watering? You know, that's a common thing that I think a lot of folks struggle with, particularly with organics, where it's ideal to keep the medium moist at all times. So the microbes are active and you get proper breakdown. However, hand watering can be a little bit challenging, right? Letting dryouts in between has some benefits. So some people do that. Are you hand watering? Do you have an auto watering system going? How do you go about that?
1: Ah, I love this topic. This is going to be fun. I uh, am an absolute fan of the EcoWit Soil Moisture Sensors. Oh my goodness, they are the best things ever. Um, Allowing me to see what the soil moisture level is at all times, that is just being able to play God, and I absolutely adore that. So thank you, Build a Soil. Thank you, Jeremy Silva, uh, for pumping those videos out that led me onto them. I've got one here somewhere. I was going to show it. Uh these are your lifesaver. If you're new to growing, let this be the game changer for you. This is like the best thing ever. If you're growing in larger beds and such, it's it gets a little bit hard to tell how much water's in there. And so with those that really changed my game cuz I feel like prior to them, I was overwatering and that was an issue that I wasn't really, you know, too familiar with my very first grow, but I think one of my plants did come out very anaerobic in comparison to what, you know. The other ones came out really like stout, perfect, and then it was a learning experience on i overwater definitely, but um and I apply that with uh, a garden hose. I've got the Blue system i I just haven't put it all up yet, and that's that's the only thing uh finding the time to get that all installed in there is what I'm really just waiting on at this point. I love the blue mat system.
0: And that moisture meter I'm going to have to search for it cause I haven't even heard of it. I used the the blue moisture meter. Right now. So I, I am using a moisture meter. I think moisture meter is one of those things that uh, more people probably should use. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things that a lot of people don't use, and it makes the job
1: so much easier. I can't remember the video that it was on, but they always recommend getting aerometer tensiometers. It's something that it, detect, it detects the water levels in your soil, and they're really pricey. And I was about to purchase some, but then I realized I can get the soil moisture sensors, and they saved me a lot of money. That's why I was so excited about those personally. Um, And in the blue mod, I've seen that they came out with those. and I haven't tried them yet. What are your views on those? Do you like them?
0: I love them. Yeah, it makes things so much easier dialing it in. You know, you just get the soil to the moisture level that you want. That's ideal. Then you install those carrot systems in. And then as the medium dries out, just drips down onto the medium and keeps it at that uh, consistent moisture level. So game changer for me. Um, And then you're just filling up a reservoir. You know, I'm not going through hand-watering individual plants everything's all connected to one reservoir so super easy for me what do you got there you're showing on the screen right
1: now you can see the plants are at 37 percent, 36 percent, 35 and 35 and then i could switch back and forth between grow rooms and uh i could check the stats through all the uh days it's got like a calendar on there and it also keeps uh tabs on your vpds of your room even so it's kind of like so many things in one. I love it. And so I put, uh, <laughs> I didn't just make one video. I made the first one and I was like, man, I don't feel like that did it justice. So I came out with a second eco video just to really pound in how I was like, and I'm one of those people that I'm not sponsored by them. I just genuinely feel like that was the, the single handedly best thing that I did. You know what I mean? That really changed my grow. uh, other than, you know, all the work that I've been doing with the trellising lately, <laughs> really trying to just get it all canopied perfectly. But that was a game changer. That was really a game changer, getting, getting a hold of those.
0: Yeah, I'm looking at it on Amazon right now. EcoWit, uh, 37 bucks, and there's like 10% coupon you can get. I'm sure they have sales and stuff. And so there's just one here. Do you have multiple of them for each container, or what do you, what do, you uh, do?
1: You can hold up to eight sensors per gateway. And so you'll have to buy a gateway. Let's just say that's like a smart hub right there that's going to collect the information and send it to your cell phone. And then the transmitters are what go into the soil. And so you could at all times see it updates every minute. So you have up to the direct minute as to what your plant's levels are.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, I'm definitely going to scoop one of those up for sure. It sounds like it's a improvement compared to what I'm doing right now with the blue Map moisture meter. I'd have to go into the grow room and see where it's at. And it's really only good for one container. So yeah, good upgrade stuff there for sure. I love them. Now, also for watering, one thing I wanted to ask about is you mentioned it's out of a hose. Are you filtering the water or do you just have like a really good water source?
1: I actually had a room built on the side of the house. And I only bring that up due to the fact because I have a 55 gallon that's outside of it. And then I have a 55 gallon that's inside of it. Uh, and after watching one of your videos recently, I've decided to start pHing my water. And so... um I don't filter it. I Actually, that one fills up through the garden hose, and then I've got a heat rod in there, so if it gets really cold out, it doesn't freeze. And then I pump it into the garden, which goes through a water chiller, and then I've got bubblers in the water at all times. I use wetting agents, and I use a little bit of the, uh, oh, what's it called? High shield, I think. And so I mix that in the water supply a little bit as well. And uh, I don't have any filtering going through it necessarily. I do have a couple, like, layers of... uh, I think it's like a mesh filter that goes over the pump before it goes through the uh, sprayer nozzle, but that's just for smaller stuff.
0: Pretty straightforward. And then you said you do pH your water, so you got to have some sort of.
1: When I checked it today before doing the, or was uh, yesterday actually, but it was like eight point eight, and then I dropped it down to about six point five, somewhere around there, but. Not okay, sad, so it comes right? up high to begin, so yeah. safe side it. Yeah,
0: there's a lot of You know, this is a hot topic. There's a lot of uh, organic growers are like, oh, you don't need a pH at all. Just boom, water in, no problem, right? And then they swear by it. But some folks have high pHs. You know, you said you have it in the eights. I mean, that's yep. pretty eight, high. Eight.
1: So just about um, nine. I can imagine some people. What they'll do is they'll pH down in order to safe side it. And that's what I did. And I learned that from you and Rob. <laughs> that's right. I remember now. I think it was him talking about it, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Yeah, we made a video on From the Stash not too long ago about all about that. Maybe that's what it was from. And then do you know what the EC or the PPM of the water is to begin? Or Do you have a TDS tester to me- measure that or no?
1: Nope. Never done it before in my life. <laughs> I can't wait to learn after this because I'm totally looking that up. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it was just kind of interesting to know like what's in your water source to begin. I have a very bad water source here. My tap water comes in at like 485 ppm. and That's a 500 scale uh, TDS tester. And so that's high. I mean, the EPA, there's like warnings if it's over 500. They deem it like not safe for drinking if it's over 500 ppm. So I'm like right there on the line. I've tried to use my tap water before. And, uh, unfortunately there's a lot of sodium bicarbonates in it and that stuff just builds up in the soil and high pH and it just, it caused so much issues. So I have to filter it. You know, I've used regular, just filter through the britter before I've used it. uh, and now I use RO. I just want to try to get it as clean as possible. And then I use the wastewater from the RO in my outdoor garden. Yeah. I, some people have to filter their water. Other people, they're lucky. They don't need to. I mean, I've talked to so many people who are like, yeah, my natural PPM out of the taps like a hundred that's great. You know, it's all stuff they can use calcium, the iron, you know, so on and so forth. I like, just lucky. So I was just curious to see how your water source was to begin. And, uh, you know, what the pH came at it and were you adjusting things or, or not?
1: Oh, and I just remembered earlier when you were asking about whether I sprayed, um, I do the top watering, uh, with this, uh, really extended garden sprayer so I could fit it under the trellising. And after I do that, I wait until they're into flower for a little bit and I begin using the bottom water feed. That way the roots will start building up down there too. And and correct me if I'm wrong, but I was going to say, I think I watched an episode where Jeremy Silva was talking about how he likes to water on the top layers for the initial of the gardening. And then as it goes into flower and progresses, he then begins watering from the bottom to start building roots down there as well. And then, you know, try to get your whole bed, like all roots and stuff. And basically they could when you go to plant something, they could tap into the canals and just use the same root system for a while as well. So that was uh, mainly I just spray on the top, then I do the bottom after flowering, maybe for a week or so.
0: That's interesting. Yeah, build the soil away. Yeah, I've seen Jeremy do just that, talk about that, watering from the top, bottom watering. You know, Yeah, I know he has earth boxes, which are the bottom watering. I have tried to use organics and do bottom watering through the auto pots Uh Didn't have good luck. And I think it's, I live in a very dry climate. I have to say that in every video and every podcast episode, but it's difficult for me to keep that top layer moist. I've added mulch layers, um, cardboard covers to try to retain that moisture. Uh, Back then, maybe it wasn't staying as moist as it should have. And I just had problems, you know, not having enough nutrition because of the breakdown just wasn't there. But people swear by doing top dressing and still just bottom watering and it wicking all the way up. And making sure that top layer is moist and they're getting the breakdown, they're being successful. So I think I need to kind of circle back around and try the bottom watering with organic inputs, top dressing, and um, see if I can do it successfully. Because <laughs> last time, you know, i now spraying up the top layer and stuff like that, try to keep it moist, but I only go so far and there's additional work there and so on and so forth. So I'd love to know in the comments, actually, for those folks that are tuning in on this that do grow with organic inputs and top dress, are any of you just bottom watering? Right, not doing any top watering whatsoever. How? What's your experience with that? Let me know because I want to see. Uh, want to see if there's other people struggling with it or if it's just just me.
1: <laughs> well, the cool thing with those EcoWits is they actually notify me if it gets below twenty per seven or twenty per seven. When it gets below twenty seven percent, I get a notification on my phone. And before I go to bed, I never let a pot or bed or anything get below twenty nine percent. Uh, basically I just wake up in the morning and I topped them up to 42%. That's what Jeremy recommended. And, uh, I've had nothing but amazing results with that. It's been so fun, except for the one time I went out there and I had first got them was really excited, like a kid on Christmas and I'm just watering and all this stuff. And I had one in the wrong bag, which equaled all of them being in the wrong bags. And I'm watering this one. It's like, it's not going up in water. Right. Right. And then all of a sudden I realized they were in the wrong bags and I had overwatered the other one and it was like 60%. That plant, I think, became anaerobic after that. <laughs> that was a huge learning experience. And uh, so just make sure you put them in the right bed and label them correctly and they'll be the best things ever. They really are so cut, dry, simple. You just shove them and you're done.
0: Man, you sold me on that. I'm going to have to buy one of those right after this and try it out. That sounds like a big upgrade. sounds Sounds like it makes things a lot easier. Let's move on to environment conditions. Ooh. So, Temperature, humidity, CO2, air circulation. What do you do for those things? Just you know, start wherever you want on that one.
1: Oh, I'm a fan. I love VPDs. Uh, that was one of the first things that I began to learn just the importance of them. And uh that was one of the things that really caught me that Jeremy Silva was able to translate to where I could actually understand, I feel. And then I came up with my own variant of how to word it. And I feel like it helped a lot of people maybe. Uh when I put the video out it hit like five thousand views of instant or instantly on that one. And it was uh basically just described or explaining it as like basically VPDs are just a distance between Temperature and humidity. The further apart they are, the higher the number, the closer they are, the lower the number, like seventy degrees or like seventy percent humidity is gonna be like a zero point seven five. You know what I mean? And it's just a good like way of looking at it. And so I keep the Trollmaster system in my mangrove. Uh, I keep the VPDs around 0.8 to 0.9 all the way up until the third week of flowering. And then I really start cranking it in. That's when I start trying to drive the race car to my room's full capacity. I start cranking the lights up. I get my par meter to about uh, maybe like a thousand within the like fourth week or so, and then just kind of I tune it up, basically getting it like a one point two five on the uh, VPDs, and then kind of just from there as to weeks four and five, I think I go into like a one point four, a one point five on the VPDs, just kind of really pull them out to get them stressed at the end there, and you know. Just kind of cater to it, but that's kind of the reason I like to do uh, the room the way I do. Instead of a perpetual grow, I do all simultaneously. They're all growing uh, from the same age, basically. I basically like to cater my VPDs towards the specific age of the plant. If the plant is coming in there as a younger age, I don't want to have harsh VPDs like 1.5, for instance. I would rather have VPDs of 0.8. And with the perpetual grow, you don't always have that luxury due to the fact you're going to be catering toward the plants that are in their prime, the ones that are going to be, you know, you're trying to really stress out to get them to really, you know, pop. And so it's just a a mixed bag. It's kind of like a a catch-all for a doctor's office, you know. Like, everybody's coming in there for all these different problems, but there's one doctor to handle everything, and that's kind of the way they're treating the room, I feel, you know? And so, with the basement grow, I basically, I've got the NEWA system, and the NEWA system is phenomenal. It's got a really easy-to-use uh, VPD chart that'll also show you if your lights are on in there, Uh, really easy to, you know manage the app some of the apps can be difficult if you've got you know like other brands and stuff you'll see that their apps i don't want to say any specific names but their apps can be a little intimidating or confusing when it as to niwa their app is actually extremely easy to use because they have a um a recipes chart and the recipe chart saves your recipes so you could just go in there and you could put in cure and drying And that way it saves every time. So next time you use it for your dry room, boom, you just click on curing and drying. Or you can use it in mangrove, label it mangrove, and have presets already made for it. And so your VPDs will carry over. And uh, then in my 8x8, I'm running 60 and 60 on the curing. So in my uh, dry tent, I'm curing them at about 60 and 60 in there for...
0: 60-60 method, yeah, very common there. Now, backing up to VPD, you know, I have some folks here that don't really pay attention to V P D. They're more old school. Uh I'm I'm in the same boat whereas like I still temperature, humidity. Yeah, you know, I kinda of look at the VPD and I have my controller set up for VPD so I stay within the ranges, but like what's the temperature that you kinda of get up to at the highest? And then same thing with like humidity, do you know like what it kind of adjusts to for the different stages of growth or
1: yeah, um, usually running around 76 to 78 in there, all throughout the vegetative state. Um, I usually keep the humidity not too far apart from that. It'll be around um, maybe 65 or so in there on humidity. And then as we go into later stages, I will begin to stretch those things apart. You know, I'll really let the temperature go up because I'm running CO2, which allows me to get up to around 83 degrees in there. And I don't want to, so I try to keep it a little bit lower than that. I keep it around 81 or so, and uh, I just uh, start slowly pulling away the humidity. I get it down to probably down to 60, maybe maybe 65-ish, somewhere around there, and then the temperature will start to go up too. As the growth progresses, that is.
0: Got it, yeah. So that makes sense as far as um, matching that up to the VPD chart, seeing the dark green range. Once you mention for temperature and humidity, it kind of it, it, it's in line from what I'm looking at right here. I look at the uh, PulseGrow.com. They have a great article all about VPD, and they have different charts for the different stages of growth. So, if anybody is looking to learn more about VPD and see the different charts, you can Google Pulse VPD charts, and it's going to give you. Uh, there's a first one's the charts. Second link is the guide very in-depth guide talks about daytime VPD, nighttime VPD, and so on and so forth. So really good stuff there. Now, you mentioned CO2. Can we get into that a little bit? Can you kind of break down like what you do for CO2 using a tank or, or what?
1: I use a uh, CO2 generator. I'm running propane underneath of it, and um, I love it. I consider it steroids for my plants, and it allows you to drive your car a little bit faster. It allows you to uh, really push them and uh they got a little bit more strength to them but in order to do so you generally will want a sealed environment or else you're just going to be expend you're going to be leaking your co2 out constantly um but i run typically i'll keep it around a thousand and then i'll bump it up like a hundred or so each and every uh week that goes by until i get to 1500 generally like um i don't do the fuzzy logic or anything i just try to keep it consistent as like uh, around like 1,400 and then a little bit higher so that it doesn't exceed 1,500 just because you would be wasting it. If it does, they can't take in any more after 1,500, if I'm understanding that correctly. That's another thing
0: that you mentioned the frequent feedings. Well, there's a contributing factor, right? You're running CO2. It's going to drive your plants faster, like you mentioned, uh, and it's going to need more nutrition in the medium. So yeah, that kind of brings it full circle and kind of makes sense to the more frequent feedings.
1: I was wondering if I was wrong whenever you brought it up earlier and you you brought up the thirty days and I'm like, man, I guess I am feeding a little bit more. Like, why is it that I'm having to feed so much? And that could be a big variant into you know that. Well, there's so many different ways to go about it and the the thirty
0: days just kind of a general guideline. I think like on um I've also using the KISS Organics nutrient pack. I believe on the instructions it says top dress every thirty days. And I think it says on the build of soil instructions too, if I remember correctly. But uh general recommendation I've done every two weeks before in the past, but I found no difference going from every two weeks to every month. Um so I have just been sticking with every month. And I don't supplement CO two. I mean I grow smaller plants than it sounds like you grow. You had mentioned you grow larger plants. So um yeah, there's so many different ways to go about it. Yeah, it's interesting to hear the different ways, you know, your your way of doing it.
1: Yeah, I I started out with it and so learning how to do it off the rip was a big thing. Um it was a, a fun procedure, and I did find out the trollmaster is phenomenal for that, and uh, I love that system. It makes it so easy to manage. Just hop on and change your CO two levels whenever. I've got exhaust fans in there in case it gets a little too high or excessive on it. So definitely, like, when when I'm in there working, because I've actually got dual exhaust in there. So if I'm in there working a lot and actually breaking a sweat, I then begin producing a lot more CO two, and I'll see it actually hit. You know, nearly like two thousand, twenty two hundred. And that's when I'm like, wow, because the dual exhaust kicks on. And it's pretty neat, you know, and one exhaust just wasn't doing it. Like it wasn't flushing it enough to keep up with the amount of breathing because my room is so airtight. And so I had to go ahead and do another one through the ceiling, actually.
0: With all the grow lights running, are you running into any heat issues where the heat's just going too high? And then you got to exhaust that out and you're losing some of the CO2 or or no?
1: Boy, it's been a learning curve on that one, buddy, <laughs> yeah. that, that it has. I, uh, I struggled at the beginning of that one. I was so excited when I was like, okay, I'm going to put five scorpion diablos in one room and they're all going to have UV bars and then 16 AC infinities. No one thinks about, "Oh my god, it gets so hot and they're so quick." It was unreal. It it like it broke my last uh my last um mini split. And so, I mean, me too, but still. Anyway, it's uh I had to replace it with the 12k mini split. And it just, it wasn't keeping up. And during the process of doing so, I had two 10,000 BTU AC units in my room to substitute the mini split while it was down and being installed. And it still wasn't enough. It actually was still getting almost to 90 degrees in there. And I had all of them dimmed down and everything. It was such a catastrophe when the AC unit went out. But... Now I've got a brand new one in there and I'm really excited about it. It's actually keeping up really well, but boy, when you crank those lights up, everything changes. It is seriously an entire different ball game. Um, the temperature can elevate literally 10 degrees in the blink of an eye if you're not monitoring it closely at times, you know? And that's where I'm so open or I'm so happy to have Trollmaster because that has safety netted me the whole way through. Uh, it, if uh, if it gets to a certain temperature in there, my exhaust system will kick on. And so that way it will uh, definitely flush the room. And then at the same time, at the same degree, it also can detect if the boards get more than, I think, 92 degrees or so, and then it'll shut the light, it'll dim the lights down. And so that'll also reduce the temperature in the room. And, uh, but yeah, having that many lights in there is definitely, uh, a lot to negotiate or to navigate. That's the word I was looking for.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it could be a serious problem. I run into heat issues. I think a lot of people have run into heat issues, you know, not realizing that. The heat was gonna build up that quickly and then uh and then the temperature being too high and then you get exhaust and the balancing is, is easier said than done, you know, balancing the environment conditions there. So
1: keep a backup fan. That's yeah. one thing I've learned. A big fan that could really haul some wind, like a little bit like all right, so they're the floor vacuums, you know, they lay on the floor basically and they shoot outward. You get one of those, they'll throw the wind out of there. Open your door up and do that, just to vent your room as fast as you can, but that saved my butt during that procedure or that process got to do what you got to do right <laughs> definitely
0: so i want to ask about some more problems you've faced and how you corrected them talking about the build soil away you mentioned your newer grower a couple years under your belt what other problems have you kind of run into and what solutions did you do to correct those problems
1: bugs they're the devil um and diatomaceous earth it is also the devil um, just really? because and i know everybody yeah. loves diatomaceous earth but yeah. I don't know. Maybe I was excessive, but I hate cleaning charcoal filters constantly, and they, it gets <laughs> everywhere. I mean, it's everywhere. You can't get it out at time. When you have a larger room, it's it's definitely something to veer away from in my eyes. Um, but yeah, it definitely forever. I feel like I had had to clean my charcoal filters continuously when I was using it. I stopped. It, uh, it'll fill up your AC unit's filter. It'll fill it, clog up everything. It feels like.
0: Were you putting it on your plants or on your soil?
1: No, no, no. Yeah. On the soil. Okay. You can put it on the soil. You could put it, you know, on the floors if need be. And they always recommend that too, but that's just another thing, you know? It was, it was just, just going
0: airborne, huh? It was going airborne yeah. and getting up into your filters?
1: Everywhere. Yeah. That's, that that huh. stuff's, it's, have I've you used never it? never had
0: that problem. That's interesting.
1: Like, what do you, how do you use it? How do you apply
0: it? I would just sprinkle on the top of the medium. You know, because fungus gnats is one of the things that I ran into, I run into pretty frequently, particularly when I'm grabbing a new bag of soil, if I need to grab a new bag of soil. Uh, now, these days, I'm reusing my soil and kind of worked out those fungus gnats. I don't have them as much, but diatomaceous earth is something that, you know, quite a few people use for battling
1: the fungus gnats. That's why I got them initially until I discovered this little hack. All right. So, you know, mosquito bits. I'm sure you've heard of them.
0: Oh, yep. Use those too, as well. Yeah.
1: But uh, I take my water supply, and I'll take like a plastic glove, and I don't know if this is the best thing, but I'll put the mosquito bits, or bits into the plastic glove, and I'll tie it off and poke holes in it and throw it into my water supply, and it literally killed every gnat. Um, in my, either of my grows, I have zero gnats, none.
0: They can be tough to battle. My way of going about it right now is you know, obviously yellow stickies, right? Those definitely help catch the adult ones that are flying around. But mammoth can control. Man, that stuff works so good. Like I spray that thing and, and it knocks down the population. And then of course the, the larva hatches and then more kind of fly up and spray it and do another application. And then, mm-hmm. um, you know, two, three applications and they're pretty much gone for me. So that, or, uh, also Dr. The amazing Dr. Zymes is another yes, product Dr. that Zymes. is
1: very, works very, very well. Those are the two that I really like. Dr. Zymes is awesome. I love Dr. Zymes.
0: Any other problems that you've come across? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. A couple, uh, spider mites. They're, man, they are something you just really, really want to get on them and, you know, check your plants every day, you know, be out there make sure you're not getting them. And if they, if you do get them, get on it really, really quick. That's all I've got to say. Cause when I was out in Vegas with you guys, spider mites took over an area that I just didn't see in that downstairs garden. And so that's why it's all cleared out for your grow. I just said, screw it. They were all in vegetative state and I just hacked them down there, you know, nothing really special. So, um, spider mites that was my first time with them and i was just like wow it happened so fast i was like because when i first noticed them we were about to head to vegas and i was spraying for them and everything and uh i went out there and got back and it they took over like a whole section immediately it felt like while well, in that one you know two day period of time it was just the whole corner of my garden i was like no i'm done with this so uh i've i've uh begin actually what i started doing was the rotation between different uh whether it be i think it's called i wrote it down plant therapy but i think it's from lost coast is the is the is the maker of it but yeah plant therapy dr zymes uh captain jack's dead bug those are all awesome and if you take the three of them and do them in a rotation that way you don't get zombie mites <laughs> But uh, I had no issues, especially with that new AC Infinity. Uh, Mister, have you tried that thing? Yeah, that thing's what awesome, that? man.
0: The, the pumpless one, yes. battery-operated, just sprays consistently. He, that thing's incredible.
1: That thing is gold. <laughs> That thing is so great. The mist level is stupendous. Like I've I I got a couple other ones. I got a Ryobi one and uh it was on Amazon for seventeen dollars and uh it was good, but then when I got that I was like, Wow, it saves so much time. I have a lot of big plants and all that foliage, it's just a lot to cover, but when you have something like that, that was pretty cool. That makes it a lot easier, so I'm able to keep up on it with a lot more ease now.
0: Makes it so much easier, man. Those pump ones, I mean geez to you spend time pumping, and then the the pressure—it's built off of pressure. So, like, you have reductions in the pressure, and the sprays inconsistent. Problem solved with the AC Infinity one. Consistent, the mist level is really well. Yeah, it's it's awesome. I love it. Do you do
1: sunrise and sunset? Have you heard much on it?
0: No, I stopped doing the sunrise sunset. I used to do it back in the day, but ever since Dr. Bruce Bugby mentioned that uh, they did a study on it. And they were just measuring the rate of photosynthesis, and he said that the plants that had the lights come on immediately was able to take the photons, the photosynthesis rate was able to be up there. So I've just been going with the lights on right off
1: the bat ever since I heard him say that. Dude, that's cool as hell. What about this other one I'm hearing? I love it. Uh, I took my son's sound machine, I took it apart and uh I made a little noise machine. It it had lights on it. I took all the LED lights off so that I could use it in the nighttime, but I have birds chirping in there constantly to help with like opening the stomatas. Like uh you you begin any of that yet or anything or have you dug into it yet? I
0: have not heard about birds chirping opening the stomata. That's uh that's a new one for me.
1: Right? It just sounded so interesting and so I'm trying it now. I My son's sound machine, he didn't need it anymore. And it has this option for birds. And so I was like, all right. I pulled it apart, took the LED lights out, and I put it in the grow room. And it sounds like amazing in there, like a rainforest. There's just birds chirping all the time in there. So people are like watching my videos. <laughs> I'm watching them, and I'm sitting there like, I hear birds chirping the whole time. Well, if, uh, if you guys watch the videos and see that or hear that, that's what it is that you're hearing is uh, my son's old sound machine. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's the new one for me, bird strip. And I hear about uh, people singing to their plants. You know, back in the day, they're like, yeah, they swore by, if you sing to your plants, they're going to grow better. And come to find out, it was just exhaling the CO2. So you're giving more CO2 to your plants. So that's why they were doing better. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's not so much the singing. People were playing music and stuff, playing it loudly. Some people say that, hey, that's not doing anything at all. It's going to be a jet engine you know, sound. <laughs> in order for it to actually make an impact but i don't know i've never really tested that out to be honest with you hell
1: yeah i figured if anybody would knew or if anybody knew it'd be you so i was like oh, i figured i'll ask him but uh yeah it could be one of those bro science ones i think it was actually like on a uh i probably just seen something on facebook going by you know what i mean it's like oh yeah the birds chirping opens the stomatas or something like that but i definitely want to look into it i think it was um corn or that was playing music too that's that's yeah the uh jazz music the guy growing corn who had a bigger crop than his uh neighbors and they were like what did you do differently he's like i started playing jazz music yeah <laughs> so that's fun to think about <laughs>
0: yeah that's yeah, funny i'd like to see more information about the the birds chirping one
1: right all these different techniques and styles and theories it's it's crazy to see what they come up with you know there's so many different ways to go about it, like I said, and just
0: so many different things that you can do within the garden. I love it. Love hearing about it. Loved hearing your style. This time around, we talked about the Build a Soil Way, how you're doing that. We even got into like environment conditions and some problems you faced and been a fun episode talking to you. Tell the uh, listeners how they can find you and what you have upcoming in the future.
1: Oh, a whole bunch of stuff. Well, guys, I'm on Instagram, Untrained Astronaut. I'm on uh, YouTube, Untrained Astronaut. Uh, my TikTok, though, it's uh, The Untrained Astronaut. I have a lot of stuff in store. Luckily, um, I will be in LA for February 10th for the American Auto Flower Cup hosted by Huygen. Uh That's really exciting. I talked to them. We're going to get some content while I'm out there. Not only that, but um, what was it? I don't want to draw a blank on it. Oh, uh, HLG, uh, they messaged me about doing a video for the Scorpion Diablo X, so that's really cool. That means uh, Mediocre Product Reviews will be back. Yeah, buddy. Really excited. I'm so glad you had me on, man. I, I appreciate it. This is cool as hell, man. And my dad, like, I, I think I told you I was out there. He's, he's a big fan of yours, and he's like, yo, you're going to talk to Mr. Grow It? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so neat, man. So thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, no problem, man. Thanks for coming on. It was great meeting you, and I'm sure I will cross path again soon, whether it be at some other event or MJ BizCon. I don't know if you're going to be going this year, 2024, but I go every year. Of so I already got hope my to tickets see you out there. Yeah, there <laughs> we go. Awesome. Yeah, cool. All right, so once again, I'll have Untrained Astronauts link in the description section below to his YouTube. Go over there, sub to him, watch his videos, comment on his videos, let him know that Mr. Groat sent you that you heard about him from the Garden Talk podcast. All right, we'll leave it at that. Peace out, everyone. Have a good one. Catch you next week. See you guys later.